Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'd like to thank Tiger Vision for providing us with the facilities and equipment to make this possible. We enjoy doing this every week, and we love having on different guests. So on that note, I'm Ethan Richards. And I'm CJ Bakel. And we are your hosts. Today, we are joined by the head athletic trainer for the Clemson Men's Rugby Program, Brooke Hopkins. Hey, how are you guys? So... We're going to start off with a little update from the last weekend. Just for you listeners to get updated with our World Cup, uh, with the World Cup going on, we just want to go off a couple of the, uh, roll off some uh, scores. So first game on last Friday, first match of the entire World Cup, Japan-Russia. Japan won 30-10. to 10. It was a good game for Japan. Yeah, yeah, it was a great game. I, I thought Russia came out with some real hard fire initially, which was awesome because like it showed that they want to work hard and they want to do well in this tournament which is very important for a lot of these teams that are considered lower tier right. rugby programs so so but, but you could tell that they they didn't have the the fitness and the energy that um japan did because like they they held strong for a very long time but then by the end of the match like they just didn't have the subs and didn't have the fitness out of some of their 80-minute players to, to survive that game. So after that game was Australia-Fiji. Australia won 39-21, uh, to 21, and it was a lot more one-sided of a game than the scoreline may say. Uh, but like I predicted, Fiji are a physical, athletic team, and they're able to score from just about anywhere. But I think Australia tactically are all like they're all going to be superior to some of these uh, tier two nations. It, it came. It was a comeback from a nine point deficit. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, that was pretty intense. So, and then following that, probably the best game, or I should say the best twenty minutes or end last twenty minutes of a match I've seen in a while is France Argentina. I watched that match. My butt was glued to the edge of my seat. It was. It was. It made me sweat. I'm not gonna kid. Like yeah. we had, we had a few people over watching that game who had never watched rugby in their entire lives, and they were intensely watching it. Yeah, um, that game. Like, I think it it showed exactly what we talked about last week with both of these teams, uh, with uh, the starting roster that France had. Argentina just couldn't compete against that northern hemisphere style and that northern hemisphere intensity, but. France didn't have the depth to maintain. Luckily, the score didn't flip hard enough yeah. for, for Argentina to win that game. That was a heartbreaking final is, kick yeah, for it, Argentina. It was. And, and I think it was, it was one of those situations where it's like, like it, it, Argentina played a great 40 minutes, but it is an 80-minute game. Yeah. And then the biggest, follow, game. the biggest game, the most anticipated game of this entire World Cup, New Zealand-South Africa, we might... Do you think we're going to see him in the final? I don't. After this one match? Personally. Um, I, I, as, as uh, Tyler Doolittle was saying last week, that this game was going to be lost by South Africa, but give them the, the fire to take it all the way to the finals. I, I don't realistically have both of these teams making it to the finals. Yeah, so New Zealand won, won. 23-13. to 13. Yeah. Uh, Next it was Italy versus Namibia. Italy won 47-22. to 22. <clears throat> I think this is the most points that Namibia have scored in a World Cup. I do believe, I might be wrong, but 
that's pretty impressive for them. And Italy really, offensively, the score shows that they're doing pretty well. But again, they're playing Namibia. Yeah, we, we, we'll see some truth out of Italy when they start playing the uh, hard hitters of their pool. And then next was Ireland-Scotland. Ireland won 27-3. We all know Tom Goodall will be very happy with that. <laughs> I yeah. felt as if everybody was expecting a second-half surge from uh, Scotland, but Ireland just was denied them any, any opportunity to score. I was shocked by the score. I... I was expecting Scotland to come out to this game and, and be ready to play some rugby and be ready to, to give Ireland a run for their money. And, and this makes me question how Scotland's going to perform in the, the rest of the pool stage. Well, I think this is also a testament how Andy Farrell's defense has really come back from their loss to England, you know, giving up 57 points to England. Uh, and then, yeah. And then the final match of the weekend was England versus Tonga. England won in a very one-sided match, 35-3. to Yeah, which uh, I don't think for any or either of us that's very surprising. Um, we both had England at the top of the pool and Tonga at the bottom of the pool. So uh, I think we were both expecting a dominant game from the English side for this game. So, no, enough about this last weekend. We obviously brought on Brooke Hopkins, our, the head athletic trainer for the Clemson men's rugby program. And uh, we wanted to have her come in and just talk about health, athlete health, and kind of what it take to become an athletic trainer. So our first question for you, Brooke, is how did you get into athletic training? Well, I think some of you guys already know my backstory just because it kind of helps I like to share it because it kind of helps um, the kids get to know me a little bit better and trust me more. Um, so I grew up very active. Um, I tried a lot of different things and also got into a lot of trouble. But when it came to sports, I stayed hurt all the time, um, especially once I got into the high school realm. And my high school, um, we actually had an athletic training student aid program where our head athletic trainer allowed high school students to come in and kind of learn a little bit more about the profession. And I was in there so much. I mean, I think I did rehabilitation every day for about seven years in total um, before I... <laughs> ended up having any surgeries or anything. So she finally decided, got frustrated one day and said, I'm putting you to work so you can handle your own rehab now. Um, and uh, <laughs> nice. shout out to Jenny. Thank you, Jenny, for doing that. And it, I learned it and started going to camps and everything like that and never looked back. Um, and I've loved it ever since. So, so that, yeah, so that, um, all good. That, uh, like, work that you were doing and, and whatnot, like, is there anything in particular that you were doing that you just, you just were like, I want to do this? Like, this, this one portion of, of what you'd learned? Well, I think the biggest thing is I get paid to sit and watch sports, athletic events. <laughs> and that's, it's shocking that people are actually able to be paid to do such a thing. And I've always loved medicine, and I always thought that, I wanted to have some kind of career in medicine, but I didn't know for sure. 
And so the fact that I'm huge into sports, I love learning everything I can about all different types um, and all that, and then combining the two, it just was a, it was a dream come true. And plus the communities that come together, this, the, nothing brings the world together faster than sports. a sporting event. Yeah. Um, and you see that in the Olympics. You see that in World Cup with Rugby World Cup. You see that in Soccer World Cup. You see that in um, everything with athletics. And I, I think I've always just wanted to be a part of that. And so this was the, be the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah, because you, you played uh, soccer and... I did. I grew up playing... I've tried all kinds of different sports, um, basketball, swimming, um, all kinds of stuff like that, but I... The, my true love was with soccer. I football, excuse me, for you guys. Um, yes, I fell in love with it, and I thought that it was so much fun. I was a defender, um, but I was also very, like I said, it was hard on my body. And so, um, but all I've ever known is sports, and that's all I've ever loved. Um, so it was a lot of fun. So. How, like, what are the steps and what are the, like, the process of becoming an athletic trainer? So to become an athletic trainer, it's changed over the years, just like all medical degrees. But it is, and what a lot of people don't understand, they kind of misinterpret or misunderstand with us, is we are a full medical profession. Um, we aren't personal trainers, which a lot of people don't get the difference because it is so new. It is one of the younger careers. But in order to become a certified athletic trainer, you actually have to sit for a board's exam um, and pass a board's exam. But just to sit for that exam, you have to, um, as of 28, don't quote me for sure, but as of 2018, I'm pretty sure is when it changed, it became a master's program. So you had to go to undergrad for four years and do some kind of pre-athletic training, just like you do pre-PT or pre-med. And then... After that, you have to get accepted into a program that is accredited um, by our accreditation. It's called Katie, but you have to do that and then go for two years, and you have to do clinicals. You have to do everything that you would do in um, bit to become a nurse, everything you would do in medical school. You have to do that. It's just sports-specific. Um, and so but the way I did it was it was still a bachelor's program, and so I had to go to an undergrad for four years. And I believe when I applied, there were only five programs in the state of South Carolina. Um, and so I applied to Erskine, which was the number two in size-wise, at least, because we had about 30 or 40 kids in our program. And USC, which was the largest at the time, had about 90. Mm -hmm. so. Wow. So, so it's not a very big niche, really. It's 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 kind of like spe a specific group of people that like end up going through it at any given semester or year or or series of years. Is it growing? Do you know? It is growing. Yeah. Um, it's getting significantly bigger, especially with the push now, at least within youth sports. So um, here, obviously, and well, everywhere in the United States, but especially in the South. Um, youth football is really big, as well as yeah. all youth sports. Mm, but yeah, true. so it's always been, athletic trainers have always been in front of a camera, so people have been able to see them at the college setting. 
But now because of issues with concussions in minors or kids who have tragically passed away on the football field or on the soccer field because they died due to heat illnesses or, or something like that, they are pushing to have more and more athletic trainers be on the sidelines. And so yeah, where it was- Yeah, like every level. Yeah. At every level, where yeah. it was just colleges or high schools, now there are even athletic trainers um, with a nonprofit that I work at as well as um, do this job sometimes. They're pushing to have athletic trainers at the middle school level. Yeah, actually, when I mean when I was playing middle school rugby, we had an athletic trainer at all of our games. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, and that was I guess, but when you when you think about it. Uh, rugby is more like there's more opportunities for um, like youth rugby to have injuries because like a lot of what protects you from injuries in rugby is the technique yeah. and, and experience the as experience, well. right? Definitely. And so so when you're dealing with younger kids, that's why they do like non-contested scrums and mm -hmm. non-lifting lineouts at young ages because right. they just don't want to risk it. Yeah. But like even then, like. They just, we, we always had one. Um, shout out to Karen Edwards. She was awesome. She did a great job. Um, and she, she did the Chapin High School uh, program as well. So yeah. she, she helped a lot with, with our games at, at the high school level. So See, I, really, really I cool. never had like an athletic trainer like whatsoever until really? I made, like until I got into high school and started playing football. That um, was probably the only time I ever had an athletic trainer besides coming here. So even at rugby at the high school level, we really didn't have like an athletic trainer for our team, but there would be an athletic trainer on the field because yeah, I know safety. I know South Carolina um, <clears throat> rugby uh, as an organization uh, always hires athletic trainers to run the games. Right. But um, which which uh, yeah. Um, and although Javen, like we had an athletic trainer, I will say like. She wasn't present at every single practice or anything like that. Right. But she was always at games, and she would keep in contact afterwards to make sure re recovery was happening properly and stuff like that. So, like um, when I got uh, concussions, um, she actually like ran me th through the concussion protocol um, every time, and and she was the person keeping up with me to make sure that like recovery was going well. Instead of I'm sure you was your your coaches. Uh, yeah, usually, usually for us, it was the coaches were focused on, you know, player recovery. Again, the, the trainers we had were like trainers for hire for one-off games. Right, right. So it was really up to the player, the coaches, and then the player's parents mm. on recovery. And that's a big difference between high school and middle school and college is that the kids are still minors. And so parents do have a big say in that. Yeah. Um, which is a lot different, but that's just, that does bring up something too, is at the high school level, there's usually only one or a couple of athletic trainers for all athletics. Right. And so yeah. that's the thing, and the way that we do it, um, and what the way we're taught to do it, is we actually figure out, so if it's a spring, the springtime at a high school, which is, athletic trainers know, that is a huge time for athletic trainers because there's so many different sports going on at once. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah. baseball, softball, soccer, it, depending lacrosse. on where you live. You have yeah. lacrosse somewhere. Basketball, um, track and field. Yeah, you've got wrestling. On. You've got all of that still going on. And so the way we f 
figure out how to split our time is which sports are, are technically considered contact. Um, and then, so baseball and softball, although I've seen some pretty nice injuries in those sports, they're not considered contact, so they're not higher risk for injury. And so if a soccer game is going on at a high school, just because soccer is a little bit more um, prominent than rugby, the athletic trainer is going to go to a soccer game instead of the softball or the baseball match. They're still going to yeah. be there, but they're going to ha they have to pick that because that is where more statistically more injuries occur. Um, just like in football, more injuries occur in football than in other sports. So, so then what is it? What is it, or how does it feel to have your own rugby squad to take care of? <laughs> yeah, I love it. That they, I, I always say, or I put down, like, you're not just the head athletic trainer for one team. You're the head athletic trainer for varsity, JV, men's side. And then if anybody, you know, from a, who, anybody who's from, like, the opposing team comes and they don't have a trainer, then you're also there. Like when A&M like, didn't, didn't have an athletic trainer, they also had you work with that team as well. Right? Which, yeah, which yeah. It's, it's a lot more common than you think. In a lot of times, in a lot of sports, athletic trainers don't always. We are very lucky. Um, I have been blessed, and we have all been very lucky with the fact that I get to travel with you guys constantly. I get to spend all of my time making sure that I'm giving my full attention to you guys. But a lot of times, athletic trainers don't travel with, especially the club-level teams. Um, yeah. So I... When we traveled to A&M last year, I spoke to, um, I believe his name is Rick, um, the athletic trainer for A&M. I met him, talked to him a good bit, and so he told me last year that when we played at home that he was most likely not traveling because he had so much other stuff to deal with. And so I was like, that's fine. Um, so it's kind of under, it, it's, we understand that if somebody is not going to come with an athletic trainer, then it's my field. It's my responsibility. I take care of everybody. But I love it. It can be chaotic a lot. <laughs> it is very chaotic just because there's so many people, and I'm just one person. Um, but I absolutely love it. The guys have treated me very well. They've been very kind to me um, and very understanding at different times when I've needed some help or anything. They helped me a lot. And I just, I couldn't ask for a better team to work with. Yeah, and, and seeing some of the insides of what you've done um, in the last few years when I was working with the program, you keep very organized. And I feel like, like, is that, is that like just you as a person or, or cause I know, I know you had a lot of, of spreadsheets and tables and, and documentation of like when people showed up to treatments or they showed up to, to practices and we're checking in with you or or just like you you were pretty on top of whenever you needed more tape or, or like a whole band-aid set um, or stuff like that. I really appreciate you saying that because I feel like <laughs> I'm not organized enough actually. I feel like I could do so much better and so the fact that you're saying that is like <laughs> news to me. Um, but I I think my personality, I am very OCD, naturally. Um, I'm a very type A person. I like things to go and do them the way I need to get them done so they can be done. And I think usually that fits in with athletic trainers because they're, 
a lot of times we have to be because we're the ones who are in control of the whole situation. We're the, that first line of defense against a lot of different things. And there's so many aspects to not just injury prevention or injury response. There's also the business end that we have to handle that. And right. I think they, ta they teach us that in school. Um, I know I had an amazing professor, Rebecca. She, she was very OCD and type A, and she taught the business side just as well as the clinical side. Um, so that helped me a lot. So by the business side, do you mean like, like most athletic trainers are, are kind of like self-employed in terms of like they, they're on contracts rather than um, like under a, a business in which con like is dealing with the contracts and administration side of things? It depends. Um, yes and no. So a lot of colleges at least, um, they do contracts through athletics and they contract those athletic trainers to where they work for they work for the actual school. Um, but I know at lower levels, such as high school and middle school, what usually happens is the athletic trainer is employed by the an area hospital or um, I know ATI, which is a physical therapy clinic, is big up north with contracting athletic trainers out to whatever is needed. Mm, um, okay. So events that are needed where they need one or anything like that, they do that as well. But with me, I have actually, another company that I would help out and do some work with sometimes is they is, which is how I kind of started through this job, is a nonprofit that's based out of Anderson called, called PlaySafe. They called me one day and one of the guys who's up at the higher level is a mentor of mine called me and said, hey, since you're taking a break right now and you don't have a college that you specifically work for, would you be interested in working rugby? And I immediately jumped at the opportunity. I'd never done it before. So I was like, this is a new sport to learn. So of course, I'm, I'm down. Sign me up now. So. Yeah, I remember the first time that you came out, everybody was kind of like, oh, we, you know, we have a new trainer. And you had no idea what was going on. I remember the first <laughs> week, you had no clue and then I think your first ever match was against South when we played Southern Pines. Mm -hmm. yep. And <laughs> I remember uh, Nick Bilgery dislocated his elbow, and you were so excited to relocate it. You were like excited, and I remember my parents. They were they were saying, "Oh, you know, whoever this Brooke, whoever this Brooke uh, girl is, she definitely she definitely enjoys her uh, her you know being an athletic trainer." Yeah, I. It's really bad to say, but just the injuries that we see, it, I guess is something different about us. Is an athletic trainer, we don't want to see you guys get injured. That's not my goal. Is I, my favorite days are the days where I'm just sitting bored out of my mind because that means those are the days that you guys, especially rugby, you are the safest. But at the same time, when we're allowed to see, when we get to see some interesting injuries, I, we do get a little bit excited. And just because it's, it's cool, it's so cool what the human body does. And on that note, what, what injuries have you seen working with uh, Clemson Rugby that you haven't really seen in any of the other sports you've worked, or, or specifically? Or like what's something like, different, what yeah. Is, yeah, or what, what has probably been the most out there? 
Um, if you were to pick one. Because oh I understand, God. like, in basketball, a lot of the time, you're just, like, rolled ankle here, rolled mm -hmm. ankle there. Yeah. And every sport, if you stay in the job long enough, every sport that you were around, you see, you can almost say, this is what I'm expecting to happen injury-wise because uh, it's this sport. This is it's just one of those things. And so in rugby, I mean, the biggest things that I've seen that – happen more than anything is it God. I mean dislocations obviously um, fingers toes which is weird but has happened I've seen and then like what you were talking about um, those are interesting and I mean I can't really say too much about some injuries just because of confidentiality but I have seen some interesting ones um, I had some internal organ damage um, with some people, which that one was really shocking because you wouldn't expect it, but have had some, um, obviously, bone-breaking dislocations. Just, I've uh, seen it. I like how you haven't brought up a whole lot of concussions, which, you know, shout out. <laughs> shout out. Okay. Yeah. I... I've been a couple of those ones that you've seen. Um, yes. I have, and I really enjoyed. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I love listening to y'all shows every week. So I learned. I've learned a lot actually. With and I loved a couple of weeks ago when you guys did rugby one on one. You you talked about the stereotypes kind of in um, injuries and how dangerous it is. And yeah. I looked it up too just to see. And concussions, yes, that I have had very many. I have seen very many as the athletic trainer. I've seen several. But statistically, just to kind of give people an idea, rugby is much more or is much less likely to have concussions than football. And I think that... The injury that occurs the most in rugby is actually just muscle strains or sprains with like ligaments, which is common because the ankle is the most commonly injured with just a, an ankle sprain. Um, and I think 40% of the time, the injuries in rugby are going to be muscle strains or sprains. And I think out of concussion specifically, I think I read was 16% of the time that an injury occurs it is a concussion, 16% of the time. That, you think hmm. that it occurs more often because, we, because I yeah. have seen it a lot, but that's, yeah. that's the mean, statistics. And that's, I've experienced it a lot. Yeah, so. and, that's, <laughs> and that's world but, rugby. That's yeah. coming from world that's, rugby, that's not, not just yeah, America. Not, yeah, not just America. So which, that's a big thing, and I wanted to look that up specifically because I was worried. I did that when I first started because that's a big stereotype is it's such a dangerous sport and I started looking up the injuries and I was like whoa this is not bad at all yeah I um I know like once you get a concussion or or two concussions like it's more likely that you'll get more and so I know most of the cases you've seen are actually more reoccurring right like like it's not necessarily a, a person who's new to getting concussions getting their first one. It's like it's somebody who's had one before or two before or or 
four or five in some other cases, not calling myself out or anything. Um. I think that, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think I have had one injury since I've been here in almost two years that was a concussion. That was a, somebody's first concussion. Yeah. Um, and I could say that I've had probably 10 or 12 concussions. So it's, yeah, it, most of the time it has been a reoccurrence. And the guys have been really good about walking up to me and saying, hey, I've, I've had a concussion before. Um, this, is, this is what that is. This is me again. I'm having a concussion. Or I yeah. have a concussion. No, I'm having. I have a concussion. So when you first started out with us, uh, I know, like, again, rugby was very much a foreign sport to you. Did it, when did you finally, you know, start understanding the game a little bit? When did you finally start, like, when did it start, like, start, or stop, you know, being, oh, this is a weird game to, oh, I enjoy this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, oh, I understand what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you talked about, Southern Pines was my first experience. So that day I knew I enjoyed the sport. So enjoying was one thing, but it, it finally, finally yeah, yeah, the, the, it finally clicking started it. clicking. Uh, I honestly, I think maybe first semester of last year. So after I had been with everyone for one semester, I think it started clicking my second semester. But so mainly like because, yeah, and game? I think okay. because. I was getting a feel for everything, and then also Aaron Kears, who's um, one of the guys who's been around for I don't he's a been a good he's been a he's been an important part of the team for a, a while. He sat down one day, and it was during a game, and he was walking with me as I was walking up and down the field, and he was kind of explaining everything, but also doing it in t soccer terms as well as <laughs> rugby terms. So it helped me kind of be able to relate it to something I already understood, and it finally started clicking. And I was like, oh, wow, this is not as hard to understand as I thought. This is a really fun sport. I love this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, he, thank you, Aaron, again, for explaining but yeah, definitely, it finally clicked. <laughs> so yeah. what is, uh, what's probably the one thing that's most unique to rugby? Or like, what do you think is like one thing that's unique? Obviously the lineouts and the scrums. Those are two, but that is the most unique thing. I mean. You can group them as set piece. Yes, there we go, set <laughs> there we go. But the, especially the scrums, because I think a lot of people win I mean, I remember those <laughs> random games that would be, when I was younger, would be on Fox every once in a while that I'd just turn on and I'd be bored. And I'd watch it, and I, I would have no understanding to it whatsoever. But the scrum is the one thing. I always knew it was called a scrum. I don't know why. I always knew that. But I think that when you think about rugby, you think of the scrums. Yeah. And that's I, the first thing. I usually get asked by new people, like, what is it called when, like, when a bunch of guys just, just like butt heads, butt heads exactly. into each other. I'm like, well, it's called a scrum. Like, it's got some. There's some technical stuff to it. Like, just a little bit, you know. No, but like, yeah, I, I, yeah. That's usually where people start. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but like, what? Sure. A, a, it, apart from in-game, 
you know, in-game things. Is there anything else that's unique about rugby that oh, might not be like? The community. I, I've been a part of a lot of different um, sports. I've helped out with a lot. And the biggest one that I grew up helping when I was in high school as a student aide was wrestling and I absolutely loved it and I loved the community because the parents were so welcoming took care of me and everything and then I I mean I've always been taken care of as an athletic mm -hmm. trainer but especially when I got to rugby I mean the parents were every game they come up to me and hug me and they're like thanking me and telling me how great I am and all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm just here, just doing my job. Which is, <laughs> it can be, it, it's uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's, it's really nice. It makes me feel really good about what I already love doing this job, but it reminds me how much better of a life I have and that just how much everybody, I mean, they bring me food. Um, Hunter Dossie's nice. parents will make me a plate of food and he'll like after, yeah. after and the Brants will do it and after games while I'm still working my second game and the varsity guys have finished I'll just walk over to my medical table and there will be a plate of food there just sitting for me and I just get to like start a nice get, little label yeah like, just a little bit and, I, can, and I always <laughs> know that it's from some of the parents who are yeah. out there and it's 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 so warm, like heartwarming. Yeah. I like, love it. Like Chris's mom has, um, when she was like all about doing the tailgate stuff. Like at one point uh, against A and M, like I remember hearing uh, somebody walk over and be like, "Make sure Brooke gets some food from from the the tailgate table." I was like, "I was like, of course, good on somebody." Like, yeah. I don't know who it was, but I heard it, and I, I was like, "Yeah, good, I, good, keeping keeping." I care. don't know who does it, but I, I do know, well, I do know it's always the parents. I mean, <laughs> CJ, your parents take really good care of me. They're, and your dad, who is usually at, well, it's not even yeah. that, who, he's usually at Shout all of our Kirk games. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> always comes and makes sure he gives me a hug and he asks me how I'm doing. And he's just, and we have nice long conversations. And it's just very, and other sports, every sport has their community. And I'm not saying that, like, we get treated like trash everywhere, but it's just <laughs> nice. It's just nice to have that closeness to not only my athletes, like but all the of the guys, but also the families. It reminds me how important it is to make sure you guys are taken good care of and to mm -hmm. always be alert and to always protect you because a mama bear is the scariest thing to deal with when it's a hurt child. And... Uh, and as well as a dad, nice. um, as well as a father, but it's just, I know my mom would want it that way, and so I know that me being able to talk to your parents and they be so comfortable with me, even though you guys are considered adults, it's just nice knowing that. It's, it's a family thing. It is. Yeah. I feel like I'm family with everyone. And that's what I've been like harping on with like a lot, especially new guys or anybody who's foreign yeah. to the game, that rugby is more than a game. It's a family. It's more than, you know, it's just something that a lot of people would butt heads. You know, it's weird to think that yeah. it's like you, it's, it, you, can, you can have entire conversations and start brand new relationships just based off of the fact that you played rugby. Because yeah. like here in America, a lot of people, everybody's played football, everybody's played soccer, everybody's played baseball. But when you say, 
Like, hey, oh. I'm a rugby player. You're just like, no way, me too. And then there's that, a deeper connection, immediate you know? friendship. Like, and yeah. I love that. And I think that, and I mean, I've even had after <laughs> games against teams that are traveling to us, I've even had parents from the other team after I've taken care of one of their kids, they've come up to me and given me a hug yeah. and thanked me. And it's just, it's so comforting. It's, um, and yeah. it literally, it makes everything worthwhile. Yeah. So on that, like, worthwhile and, and on the, the, the community aspects of it, like, what's, what's been your favorite part of it? Like, what, what overall, like, with, with the sport itself and working with it, like, has been your favorite part? Is it the community or is it, is it some of the experiences? Like, you know what I'm yeah. meaning? Yeah. I mean, it is the community as a, as a whole, but... The experience, I've never had such good experiences. I mean, we've traveled sometimes to places that I've never, I was lucky last year at the Las Vegas Invitational. I'd never been to Las Vegas, um, and we traveled there. Um, my favorite experience overall so far, CRCs that we went to last year, the, what is it, College Rugby Championship? Yeah. Collegiate Rugby Championship, um, yeah that happens it's seven tournament that happens in philadelphia that was just so much fun not only because it was really good competition um and it was really good sevens rugby but just getting to see my guys who work their tails off who like i feel like they're at this point i have a million little brothers i feel like more <laughs> than anything um getting to see their hard work pay off and the fact that they're getting recognized on national television yeah. um, and their hard work's paying off and they really, really worked for that tournament and just getting to see that and be on the sidelines of it. And also get a little screen time too. Yeah, I was I about would to say, yeah, I, I, I would rather you not. I, I, I saw you and, and, and uh, Tyler Doolittle who was, uh, since he pulled his hamstring, right? He was uh, he was team manager. Team manager on the side. I saw y'all a couple times on TV. I on would, ESPN. That was that was pretty cool. If I could uh, help it, I would never be on television. Um, <laughs> just nice. because if I'm on there, then usually that's not the best thing because somebody that means somebody's down on the field. Yeah. So I would true. rather stay and hide and be behind. Well, but it's fun when I get to see my people that. You work with that I you... work with and spend every day with, and they have so much commitment to the game and so much commitment to what they love, and it's paying off. I mean, that entire team, our entire team, but that team for that sevens. I mean, uh, Absher and Dossie with the Kentucky Waterfall and getting so much <laughs> so recognition. Many, so many people talk about the Kentucky Waterfall. But yeah. it's just, <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't think of kids who, who deserve more. Yeah. And so the fact that they were able to have that is really exciting. And I'm, I'm so proud of them for it. And I think I, that's why I loved it so much. Yeah, for sure. So you kind of talked about, you know, again, you don't want to be seen on TV because you mean, it means you're running out on the field. What is that experience? Like to be running onto the middle field midway through a match because it, it happens. Especially when play doesn't stop. Yeah, when play doesn't stop. Yeah. You're you could be run over. <laughs> I, that must oh, be kind of intimidating because 
like you see in football and soccer all the time, the trainer, like, you know, play is stopped, and then, like, the trainer will go out and, you know, see what's going on with the player. But with rugby, you're running on the middle of, the, you know, in the heat of the battle. So what yeah. is that like? Um, well, funny thing, I have been tackled, actually. Oh, well, um, I do remember that. Against the Greenville that. Griffins that last was, year. Yeah. Um, that was when the brawl went into the side of the no, bush line, no, right? No, that no, was, This was at Greenville. Um, oh, okay, and okay. And it was, that one, I oh, was literally yeah. turning I, around to hand somebody contacts, and they just came sliding into me. Yeah. But I, that part, I don't know. I think I was more, I do remember, like, at Southern Pines, I was more scared that I wasn't going to go on the field because I wasn't going to see something than, oh my gosh, I have to go into the field and there's people that could kill me because of their size right now coming at me. I, I don't know. It's just like when you guys go into a match, you get your headset, you get your mindset, mm -hmm. and you, you have a, your normal life where your mind is normal, like to whatever, how it goes, and then you have your... Your game mindset. Your game mindset. Right. I, it's the same with me, and so... So, like, do you ever have moments where you're kind of questioning, like, is this the the right time to go on the field? Are they going to get up on their own? Are they fine to get up on their own? Like, is that a tough question to ask yourself every every time? Because I know, I know a lot of the guys on the team, they'll get hit real hard and probably shouldn't get back up, but I've watched some of them do it, and then they, like start going around and, and they like need to come off the field. And obviously, I, I know you, you've recognized that before just from being around the program. And, and, and the former coach, Steve Lynch, like he, he would pull those players off the field knowing that they shouldn't stay on. But like, what, what is, is that like for you, making yeah. that executive decision? Um, with me, it's, it's not even making the decision or thinking about it. It's, literally muscle memory for me it's I know what because we have to learn so much about the human body we know and understand what it can withstand mm -hmm. and I've seen those hits and I'm and I'm sitting there like whoa you don't don't so it's I see it's you pay attention to the hit you don't pay attention to the kid getting up afterwards okay. um, and so sometimes they they have taking a little bit of time to get up. And then it, during a game, I'm out there going just to check. Mm -hmm. um, but during practice, I'll give them a minute. And a lot of times, especially in practices, when you guys scrimmage, heart, like full scrimmage, you'll see me not necessarily running, but kind of walking fast. Because it's giving the guy who goes down time to think and realize and recognize, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm gonna, I just need a minute to catch my breath. It's like a little or, shaken up or. Yeah, yeah, or I'm not getting back up. Mm -hmm. And that knowing the athlete really comes into play there and knowing the guys who are just gonna shake it off, who might take a couple of extra seconds to get up just because that's what they do every time. Um, so yeah. I, it's, so, it's so different. for some of those times when like you, you end up getting, like the player en ends up getting injured and, and it's it, like, depending on level of severity, like what, what is your major concerns like after the fact? Yeah, like what's the, the plan of action? The, yeah. you know, you're, when it, like, you, like what's going through your head when something like that happens? 
Well, especially with um, any contact sports and not just rugby. Again, rugby is actually one of the safer sports because of how much stress y'all place on technique. Mm -hmm. But with every sport, my first instinct of when I see somebody down is, is this a medical emergency or life threatening? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the first thing I have to figure out, um, even before I get them off the field. Um, yeah, if, so, so it's like measuring like the intensity of the yeah, injury? Yeah, triage kind of yeah, thing. Okay. When you're in the medical field, um, what a lot of people hear is triage. And so that's something that I do in my head is, can with what where this person got hit, what's hurting them, um, where do I go? Um, where do I go from there? And if they do get up, will they cause more bodily harm to themselves? So if something's dislocated, that's a medical emergency. I'm holding them on the field right then and there. I'm not letting them get up, especially if it's like an ankle dislocation or mm-hmm. it's a knee dislocation. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're, when you're looking at that, obviously you want to like preemptively catch that yeah, yeah prevent that um and and i know like there are cases where it just happens it like there are moments where it's freak accident it's on the field what happens happens but but what what do you stress personally and and through your experience with rugby to prevent the injuries so the biggest thing that i i like to talk to the guys about is Level of fitness is the biggest thing. Um, the fitter you are, the less likely you are to get tired. And when we get tired, that's when technique goes out the window. That's when mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Very true. good yeah. form goes out the window. And that's when you're more likely to get injured than any time other time. If you're doing everything correct for, uh, with the technique, the way it's set, the game itself is set, is you're – not going to get hurt unless it is a freak accident. And so fitness is so imperative, and that's important in every sport. And, and by um, fitness, do you mean, like, cardio, strength, and, can, like, what, what do you emphasize the most out of, out of your fitness? Well, it's you guys... It's a tough guys, question because it's it all is, important. It is because everything's important. But with you guys and with, the, with rugby... I mean, cardio is very important. It's an 80-minute game. Um, you're going for 80 minutes. And so yeah. you guys longer. have to – endurance, you have to – you all have to have the endurance to be able to, to go that long because that, you're going to get – you're going to get knocked. You're going to get – knocks and niggles is what we call them um, <laughs> to where you're going to be hurting. But after, yeah. after the 75th minute, you're still playing. Um, and so more of just the endurance and the cardio and the long term to yeah. make your yeah. body last. That's a big thing. Yeah. Um, and then I know a lot of, especially because it is a men's team I work with, um, a lot of things that you guys for, tend to forget that I've noticed is flexibility, um, just muscle hmm. flexibility because it, with the motions and with yeah. running. Coming back to the technique. And it is, it yeah. is. but adding flexibility just helps your muscles 
perform. Yeah, um, Hunter Dossi is one of the most flexible people I've ever met in my life. And like, that's just like, you, you can tell he's, he, he puts an emphasis on it. And that's why he performs well on the field a lot of times. And I love, and I love that because a lot of people, and I mean, it's women's sports, men's sports, everybody. People do forget flexibility is so important. And it's not just flex, it's just stretch. I mean, stretching. That's it. Stretching is, is it's so it's, easy to do, but people forget that it's necessary. Right. It just um, seems like with stretching, everybody has, it seems like early on, especially in sports, they teach you to stretch and you have to stretch all the time and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it seems kind of tedious, but <clears throat> I think that has definitely saved a lot of people's. But I know, people I know forget it. It, it saved yeah. me when I was a player. I actually, I stretched a lot more than I do now. Um, I, that, that was not a habit that I ended up keeping up. But when I was a player, um, it helped me a lot because, I mean, I was a front row um, for most of my career as a, and as a player. And, yeah. and just being flex, flexible enough to maintain composure during, like, scrumming is so And just being important. able to, yeah, exactly, bend down and maintain that yeah. That position yeah. is where you you really get all your power and all of your drive. Yeah. If from. you're if you're able to make that right. movement, make those motions, especially like, um, shockingly enough, I played hook for a, a period. And, huh? And you play yeah, hook? I know. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. So wow, that was like you really have to be flexible as a hook to get your foot. Like if if you're if you really are wanting that ball and you can get your foot under the other hooker's like side side and just like pull it through their feet like that's some you have to be really flexible. For or that. you can that's be lazy like work. me and use both feet. <laughs> yeah. Or you're able or <laughs> learn to use both yeah. feet so you don't I have mean, to stretch true. all the way across. Yeah. Because that's, that's not dangerous at all. <laughs> I mean, not if you're. It's ambidextrous. It's ambidextrous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people just, I think that's the biggest thing is, is that a lot of people forget about flexibility because it, it's an afterthought for them and yeah. that causes more trouble when it doesn't have to. Yeah. So uh, after all this, like after talking about the sport and what you've learned from it and like what, what you emphasize, like what, what as, as somebody who's newer to the sport and has a medical perspective on it, how do, how do you look at players who are interested in the game or, or want to like, play the game but are a little worried about the intensity and, and the, the pressure on, on it physically. Like, what, what do you say to those people? Because I know from, from people who've been a part of the game for yeah. a large part of their life, like, we're like, we've got that attitude as like, it's not that bad. Like, like it, it looks rough, but it's, not it's because there's, yeah. it's, there's 30 people on the field, you know? Like, it's... It, you're not doing, you're not in every tackle. You're not, in, you know, and, and our attitude's like, come on, you're, it's not that bad. Just but, like, but from it, somebody you can suck who, it up and carry on. Yeah. Right. But, like, but um, you, I'm sure you have a different view to that. Sometimes, yes. I don't know. Because sometimes my female soccer player, former soccer player, kind of takes <laughs> over too. Gotcha. And so I look, I can sometimes tend to look at people and be like, it's fine, you'll be fine. But at the same time, I am the medical professional, so I don't like to do that um, unless I'm just joking around. But the biggest thing that I like 
to tell people, which I'm all the time looking at people, hey, you want to come and learn rugby? You should come play. Come on. We, we always can use more. <laughs> I'm always talking to people randomly, and they'll, like, ask me what I do, and then they'll front, like, Clemson students, and they'll be like, really? And I'm like, yes, yes, come out, come out. Come, come join <laughs> us. Come join us. But the biggest thing is that it's not as dangerous as it looks. Um, and even when it is, has, there are dangerous situations, what I genuinely love about the sport is that the world rugby is huge in making sure that it is the governing body over all rugby. And they make the rules and they change them faster than I've hmm. ever seen. I mean, y'all have talked about, I think y'all talked about with Marie um, and Kim when they were on about different rules that have just been changed with the scrums um, yeah. and engaging. And I, I have never seen an association that, granted, I haven't close, as closely looked at all the different associations, so I can't give that good of an opinion, but I do love the fact that they're rules are things. They are rules are constantly laws. being laws are constantly <laughs> being changed um, quickly in order to keep the game safe. And yeah. Yeah. the sirs are really good. Uh, the refs are really good about like staying on top of those staying on top order. and calling um, calling hits even if they are kind of legal, but just because it looks like there might need to be a second to where I need to get on. And they're really good about coming and talking to me beforehand. I know there was just a recent example at A&M. There was a hit from, um, from Wesley Wilder, got a really nice hit. And it, I, I mean, I, again, I am new, like y'all say, but it looked completely legal to me. It was. But the kid, it looked very it, it was. It was. It was very hard, and I, I, that kid, I was shocked that he was fine. Fine. Um, but <laughs> well, they, he was. It was really good that he called. He stopped, and he did stop play that time, and I yeah. got out there really fast. But he was supporting me because he made sure that play was stopped because this might have been a serious injury. Yeah, well, also like. Like you, you, I know from from a perspective, like that that hit looked real real rough and whatnot. But like there was good technique. It was it was intense pressure. He had the forward momentum, which I think is what really made it seem what much worse. Um, but in the end, like it was it was a pretty. It was just a solid form tackle. It was gorgeous, I, it was but at the same time, yeah. my medical side was, mm, Ooh, that kid yeah. should not have gotten up. Well, also, there was a size difference, but, which yeah, I think, yeah, I think that hurt too. But, yeah. it, I, the, but I've seen refs who, in other sports, who, other contact sports, where a kid has not taken a hit, obviously, or been tackled, but has, something has, uh, ball to head, or some kind of contact like that, and they just are oblivious to yeah. it and it, it's that so was... dangerous that and I, it's exciting to me the fact that a ref can see that recognize that that was even if it even if it was completely legal that still was kind of dangerous just look not dangerous but it just looked bad it looked yeah. like it was wrong 
So let me stop play for yeah. to get them checked out. And yeah. that's the thing too is I the refs have the right, especially with concussions, the refs can say, and they're really good about saying, I'm worried about this kid. They took a hit. They need to get checked out. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, that was one thing that, like, my first concussion that I ever received, like, like we were playing on turf, and, and I lost, like, pretty much from above, above, right above my ear into my hairline down to, like, the upper part of my chin um, from turf burn. And I was, I was like bleeding and, and there was blood all over my jersey and whatnot. And uh, basically, like they were just like, all right, wrap it up, make sure that it stops bleeding and then send you, send them back on the field. But like, it, it, was, it, a, needs it was a little a, bit more evaluation. Yeah, it definitely should have had more evaluation. And, and that was something that like was just kind of looked over in a sense, because it was, I mean, it was a head contact that literally ripped off the layers of skin of my face that caused me bleeding. But like, uh, no, nobody really spent the time to look at it, and so that's pretty. And that's the first priority is yeah. concussion or major Which, injuries. I like will say said. that was almost six years ago, so so the concussion, uh, yeah. like intensities towards towards looking at concussions and 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 making that a priority in in all sports is was different. At yeah. the time, it's it was so the mindset, much. Was, totally the mindset different. was different. Yeah. So, so I won't say like, like, oh, the, they should have been on top of that all the time because like that wasn't that was nowhere near as in a priority as it is now. Because I, I think I see it as the number one priority in almost every sport. Every yeah. every time I go to learn about a new sport, I hear about a new sport. Like, the the co topic of conversation comes to concussions, and it's and changing so. constantly. I know, like when I played soccer in high school, which was eight years ago. It was, I, there were several times where I, I should have come off with a concussion. Um, but now, it's, I wouldn't have been able to get by without having to be looked at. So it's, it's changed just in that time. So y'all are so much more protected. And I just love the fact that I have, I have the, I have world rugby to back me up. Right. But yeah. then it also keeps me accountable to make sure I check on you. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... Great conversation, and, and we're coming to, to a good time frame. I think uh, yeah. we, we've had a great talk, so I'd like to thank you for coming and having your free time and, and spending your Sunday afternoon with us here recording. And uh, I know listeners, like this comes out on Tuesday for those who will listen to it right. as it comes out. That's why we didn't discuss on the, the Monday game or, or anything like that. But, yeah, so thank you for coming and talking with us. Thanks and for having me. Like as always, we would like to thank Tiger Vision for all they're doing for us, helping us out, you know, letting us use the facilities. And uh, we couldn't do it without them. Yeah. But to leave you guys on a little note, <clears throat> watch some rugby this week. There's a lot of really good world rugby going on. Absolutely. And we have three matches. We've picked out three matches for this next week that you guys should watch or will that be. We will be for we sure. We will be for sure watching live. In live. So um, we. We have three matches. The first match is England versus USA on Thursday. Second match is Italy versus Canada on Thursday as well. And then final match is Australia versus Wales, which will be two big heavy hitters. We, we think that is the pool deciding match. Yeah, I think that's the pool deciding match. Second. 
I might have to watch that game. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to a, tune in myself. That'll be a good game. So. And then, like, England versus USA. We got to watch our boys. We got to watch <laughs> USA. I know your boys are England, but we got to watch <sighs> USA. Let's see how well they do on this one. I just want a great game out of that match. And then Italy versus Canada. This is, I think, Italy's big, like, this is their big match of whether or not they should be known as a tier one six yeah. nations this uh, this will question team. this will question the integrity of them as a tier one nation so i believe that's that those are the three matches that you should be watching this next week and uh let us know again we have the comments section please let us know what's going on like let us know how we did today uh and anything of that you have questions for book she'll probably look at uh some of those comments yeah, so anything you guys yeah. have we'll pass them on we'll so. pass them on just just give us some feedback yeah, so uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. This is Tigers Talk Rugby. Have a nice week. I'll go stop this. We give five seconds. Oh, okay. Just yeah, just know. so that it's easier for editing. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> yeah. So I know that it makes it real easy for editing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You see this random little break? Yeah, you see, there's, like, yeah. there's an entire piece of silence. Yeah. And you're like, look. Yeah. Good? Yeah, Think so? Great. Shonda.